Welcome to Sports with Friends. I'm Seth Everett. This is episode 265. And this is our NFL preview episode. And I cannot believe that in 2020, we have an NFL season upon us. So now I'm in the mood for football. That music's helping me. (laughs) This is CBS NFL music. As far as COVID is concerned, they are safe. There's a lot of safety. They have uh, only a handful of positive tests. They've done a great job with their protocols. And I'm looking forward to the football season. I cover the Jets for Sports Illustrated this season. That's going to be a lot of fun. I have a long history with the Jets, and we'll probably do a podcast on that in the future. I met my wife because of the Jets, and I grew up a Jets fan. And uh, getting to cover them for Sports Illustrated has been a really cool thrill. It's been been a lot of a lot of fun. Um, today we have a treat. Um, thanks to a couple of connections and thanks to friends, and that's what this podcast is, right? Friends of friends. I was given uh, access to the CBS NFL kickoff media session. And those are usually held at big press conferences. I remember last year, that's where we talked to Terrell Davis. The NFL Network had one. That's episode 213, if you're interested. And uh, we've been to previous NFL uh, events that have been really, really well done. And no secret about that. Uh, This time, it's all virtual. And so none of these interviews could be one-on-ones. That's not how these things work. They're all groups. We extrapolated uh, some audio, and we have a couple of features. Then, you know, we make the move uh, over a year ago to Underdog Podcast, the Underdog Podcasting Network. And you'll hear ads for them, and, and, and they're wonderful. And they host sports with friends as well as... Uh, the companion podcast, uh, Hall of Justice. But for these purposes, we've never had an underdog person on this show. And uh, Sean Ryan is a fantasy expert. He's an author of a fantasy football almanac. And uh, he's going to join us at the end to tell us about fantasy football heading into this particular NFL season. So we'll start with Tony Romo. Tony Romo is the star of this thing. He's arguably the best announcer in the game right now and it's so interesting to hear Tony Romo because his energy is enthusiasm it's just infectious and in COVID times infectious is just a great word Uh, here is Tony Romo talking about his new contract and all the things that he's excited about well I think like anything in life you I mean the joy for me in football like announcing is always been about improving you know it's about winning and doing great and, and uh, trying to be the best you can be but I like improvement and I feel like um, if we're ever not as good as we were the year before or you take a step back that's a hard thing for me so in a lot of ways you just analyze yourself and you look at you know what kept you from being or something that kept you from having a great game or something that you didn't like in a game and you analyze it and you look at it and you try and uh, practice it. And I think one of the things I really like enjoy is just coming up with a plan on how to improve and how to go practice it so that it becomes second nature. And, um, you know, when I first started, I was lucky enough to be on a team, you know, with Jim Nance, Jim Rickoff, and our team at CBS. And so I could make a ton of mistakes and do a lot of terrible stuff, but uh, that team was so good that it just made it, um, look normal. And, uh, I feel blessed to have that same crew, you know, certain little people that have done so many good things for us that not everyone sees behind the scenes. You know, we have so many people who are a part of this that, um, we have the core group there and a couple people switch out from year to year, but I'm just really uh, happy that I have that same group and we're gonna do the same thing, but there's a few changes you'll see coming up. We, we analyze ourselves quite a bit and, uh, Jim Nance, Jim Rickoff, Tracy, you know, we all talk about it and come up with a plan, and I'm just lucky that we're all still together. This NFL season has featured all kinds of changes. There's virtual meetings, not one-on-one meetings. So Romo was asked just what differences it's going to play in his preparation and also his ability to call plays before they see him because he's not going to have those one-on-one conversations at great length that he does normally because they're going to all be on Zoom. Well, like anything, if it helps you win, you're going to do it. If, if a team 
is ever picked up. So if you had like a Luke Keekley, who was incredible at understanding certain words, he'd study it all week, the coordinator would tell him, if you have a guy like that, he's going to be in tune with certain things. Well, going into that week, you would change audibles or you would change certain things so that he might have to second guess his own, I guess, homework that he came up with that got him prepared. But this season's going to play out for every team very similar. They're all going to adjust quickly. And as a coaching staff, your job is going to be like, well, what's important to winning? What is important to um you know, this week we didn't do this as well. Okay. This team was on this. Great. Luke Keekley was across the line. He was saying this coach. Great. Next time we play them, we'll adjust that. That's how the week's going to go in the NFL for every team. They're literally going to learn themselves as they're playing and the coaches, everybody has, you know, a lot of intelligent, smart people who are going to be prepared to do that. No different than what we're doing here at CBS. We're doing a lot of things to prepare for it. And you can't, you can't prepare for everything. Your job is to go sometimes just experience it and then adjust. And um, the ones who adjust, you know, the best are the ones who end up playing at the end of the year in the big games. And it's like Bill Belichick. I mean, if he does one thing really at a very, very high level that people try and emulate, it's his ability to, you know, just adjust from his team to the opponent, to what the league is doing. I mean, all this stuff. And, I think everyone's trying to do that. You're going to see that play out this year. I think early in the year, there's a couple of thoughts I have, and you know, I'll talk about it in week one, where I think it's going to start the NFL. I think it'll be pretty similar across the league. And then I think you'll see things adjust, you know, as they get into that week four, five, six. A big theme of the conversation has been all the social unrest and all the protests and all the things that are going on. And it's been a bit political thing. And how is CBS going to cover it? And Tony Romo was asked about exactly what happens if he sees a protest. How is he going to handle it? It's almost like, uh, you know, you hear fake news or stuff like that all the time. For us, our job is to tell the story that we're watching. It's pretty easy. It's right there in front of you. Everyone watches it. We just tell what we think while we're watching it. We're not trying to give anything more than that. And I hopefully the viewers enjoy it and, we give them the story that's being played out. One of the biggest things, you know, that we talk about all the time is just telling the story that's happening right now. I mean, it's not predetermined. There's nothing that sits here and says, hey, this is what we're going to do today, 100%. We just, um, we come up, we watch it. Me and Jim talk about it, and that's live television. And we try and tell you just uh, without any premonition or some uh, putting our influence of what we believe in this. We're just telling you the story that's happening right in front. And I think that's part of the reason why hopefully people like us once in a while. And All right. Uh, now some hardcore football questions. Tony Romo was asked about the Miami Dolphins and their rebuilding process. How good could they be? The one thing I think about the Dolphins is that they have a chance to make a really big leap. Now, they're probably going to be a year away from making the leap about, you know, possibly being able to contend for a championship. When I say that teams have done it before, but when you get six picks in the top 70 and what they've done in free agency, sometimes you look and there's, you know, you overspend, you do certain things, but I'll tell you right now that I think everything that the dolphins have done from just without evaluating the talent they drafted in the draft, but the position, it's a big boy game. It really is. It's O-line, D-line, right? To me, it's like you got to get offensive linemen and you got to be able to cover. And then you get your D-lineman to play hard. And if you get a special guy and all of a sudden you get lucky enough to be a top five, 10 pick, and all of a sudden here's a guy that's amazing, J.J. Watt, Aaron Donald, whoever, Von Miller, some of these guys who just become incredible, then that's, that's a little bit more you know, random, but what they're doing, they're building it the right way. And I really feel like you're going to see Miami come on and they'll be better this year. Uh, I have no, there's no question. They're going to be a much improved football team, but the way they're doing it is what I'm most impressed with. And I think you're going to see them develop. People don't remember the 49ers were bad, bad, bad for a little bit. And then really good. And they kept building that defensive line. That offensive line, they, they did the things what I think win, 
you know, in the National Football League. And now you have a coach who comes from the Belichick trees, which is going to be a little bit more man-orientated, so they need cover corners. Also on the subject of Baker Mayfield, can he still be a franchise quarterback? Talking to Tony Romo about the word franchise quarterback. Think about that. I mean, all the questions are fun. I think, I think when you say franchise quarterback to me, I think about that stuff a little differently. I'm like, well, what does that mean? Like a franchise quarterback. Does that mean that he's going to be there a long time? Does it mean he's going to win? Is he Tom Brady? I mean, I, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good statement that a lot of people use, but in reality, it's like, can this guy help us win? Can he be, can he really give us an advantage at that position? And um, like I said before, you want Tom Brady, you want Peyton Manning, you want Aaron Rodgers, you want all these guys, right? Russell Wilson, I mean, but can this guy, does he hurt us every week and we're trying to overcome him or is he going to help us win? And um, I look at it a little differently. I just think it depends on the coaching staff, the team around him, what you're doing to help. And I just think um, these things play out a little different in each organization. So without going into too much detail, you'll see it clear as day. More sports with friends in just a moment. First, a message from our friends at Bet Online. There is no shortage of action going on with our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Sports are back. NBA playoffs continuing. The NHL playoffs underway. Baseball is in full swing, actually. There's also UFC, boxing, NASCAR, soccer. Bet Online has the best odds and lines for the upcoming games and matches. Need more? Bet Online has simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC happening every day live for you to check out. Looking for something else other than sports? Well, Bet Online has hundreds of live casino games, poker tournaments, and the best props in the business. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner at Podcast One, Bet Online, to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and make sure to use that promo code Podcast One for your sign up bonus. Visit betonline.ag or use your mobile device and join now to receive your new welcome bonus and start playing today. Bet Online, your online wagering experts. Thursday, he's, of course, referring to the opening kickoff, uh, the first game, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs hosting the Houston Texans. And, of course, that's if you're listening to this podcast on the day it's released. If you're listening in the future, you know how that game went out, and you know about all the other games. And do me a favor, let us know how the flying car is. Our thanks to Tony Romo. Now it's on to Jim Nance, and I have a funny Jim Nance story. So Jim Nance went to my high school. Everybody knows how he lives in Houston, Texas, but he went to high school in Marlboro, New Jersey, where I went to high school. And when I first said to a teacher jerk of a Spanish teacher when I first said that I was interested in broadcasting he had said that I don't apply myself and I'll never be a Jim Nance and he said you're never you're not a Jim Nance you'll never be a Jim Nance and I'm not saying I am a Jim Nance but I started hating Jim Nance when I was 18 years old 16 years old uh Jim Nance was like an arch enemy he I, I hated him and as he ascended to the top of his profession, he's this magnanimous guy, this amazing guy. I've actually never met Jim Nance, and I would tell him this story. I would tell him who the teacher was that said it. It was a Senor Fontanez, and I will tell you, I'll never forget that. And I resented just that a teacher would say that to me, and I thought it was so awful. Anyway, that never came up in the CBS conversation. What did come up? is the fact that Nance has been calling events here in the pandemic. He's been calling PGA events. And how does that experience compare to what he's expecting for the NFL? Jim, you got to unmute. Jim, you're muted. Jim, unmute yourself. I just see if I can draw back that piece of poetry. I, (laughs) uh, I've been, it's been weighing on my mind since our last golf broadcast. And I think uh, it was pretty easy in golf to feel like it was business as usual as a broadcaster without any fan interaction. It's just, 
perfect fit for the sport. Most of the time it's quiet and you're talking in a conversational voice. In football, it's different, man. You just got to learn how to ride the wave of energy that's normally in the stadium that now we're not going to have any longer. I mean, our games are always going to be big games. We're going to open up with Miami and New England. Can't wait to see this one. What do the Patriots look like without Tom Brady? How good is Miami with this uh, rebuilding project uh, in full force? What's the AFC East going to look like? But we've been to Gillette so many times. We're going to be there for the first two home games. Uh, they have the Raiders week three, and there are going to be no fans at their first two. So uh, for me, you can't even really rehearse this until, until the ball is kicked. I now, you know, uh, it's uh, no secret. There's going to be an audio mix that's going to be provided to us from the NFL. Uh, after this four years of, uh, of compilation from NFL films at each home stadium and trying to put together every single scenario, uh, there's a kick return for a touchdown. Uh, there's a fumble, the home team's thrown an interception. And I, I really admire the guy that's running that board and able to, to quickly on the fly, try to change the emotion that we're going to be hearing. Um, but, you know, I think we'll be okay. I really do. Um, the things I worry about more than anything is the mechanics with Tony. Uh, the audio thing I feel pretty good about that we'll get the mix that will pitch our voices to the appropriate level. But, you know, when Tony and I call games, uh, we're pretty touchy feely people. <laughs> we, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of contact going on during the game, but we're going to have a piece of plexiglass between us now. So I don't, I don't know quite what that's going to be like banging on the plexiglass or, you know, high-fiving up against uh, a hand on the other side of the glass. But, uh, you know, it, it, we'll get used to it. You know, hopefully people, everybody's going to have to get used to it. And I think week two is going to sound significantly better than week one as we all kind of make that adjustment. Lastly, when Tony and I were going through boot camp in the summer of 2017, we went into the laboratory and try to get Tony prepared for his debut. We did a lot of games sitting in a studio, you know, not in a stadium. And yes, there was some Nat sound playing in our headset. We did some games on site, including one from, people called it a deer stand in Canton, Ohio on the Hall of Fame game. So we did some games before we even did a real game together that were in unique, unusual, uh, non-standard settings. And we got through it just fine. So I'm worried more about the plexiglass than I am about the crowd noise. The other question that uh, Jim Nance handled like a pro, uh, what to do when there's social protests, when there's uh, names on the backs of jerseys or something like that, how will Jim Nance explain it? It's, uh, that's uh, Ben, I'll handle that first. You know, we live in this visual medium and uh, we're in the reactionary business. So, you know, we'll be prepared for that. When, when we see something, you know, we are going to tell the viewers what we see. And I expect that that will happen and we'll be prepared for it. And we'll tell the story. The conversation switches to football and Bill Belichick. And Jim Nance seems to get along great with Bill Belichick. And I don't know many other people that do. We've had some guests on this podcast that have said he's not a bad guy. Um, he just comes off like such a jerk in those press conferences and he cheated a couple of times, but this is Jim Nance on Bill Belichick. Uh, well, so I'll start with this. Uh, yeah, I think that there's a lot more to Bill Belichick than meets the eye when you watch those, uh, press conferences on a daily basis. I'm actually quite amused by him. Uh, I, I enjoy watching him for entertainment value. Um, <laughs> you can't tell whether it's a poker face or if he's being real. Uh, yeah, they're off, I think, away from football. Uh, you get a chance to see who the real Bill Belichick is as a person. And by the way, he did get nominated for an Emmy Award for what he did with that um, NFL Top 100 as a studio analyst. And you've just teed me up here perfectly, Ken, to be able to say uh, about that comment that was made at the top by Sean about our entire operation 
uh, our production team across the board, games one through seven, everybody that was a part of the NFL on CBS wins the Emmy for best sports series. And obviously that could be any series, baseball, hockey, football, college football, whatever. But the last time that the NFL on CBS won that Emmy was in 1982. So it's a great tribute to everybody that uh, has their hands on this. And just on a personal note, um, uh, a shout out to our Jim Rickoff, who, who leads our, our crew. Extremely proud of what he's been able to do. Uh, but I look, I think Belichick, I think Bill is, um, you know, he, 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 why does he need to change the way he approaches coaching football from a personality standpoint? It works. You know, we um, we kind of went into the offseason thinking we may not see a whole lot of Coach Bill anymore now that the Belichick Brady uh, band is, uh, is is broken up. But uh, it's uh, it's potentially for us and these are not final, but uh, we are going to see the Patriots. It's pretty certain three of the first four weeks things could change. Week one against Miami, week three against the Raiders, uh, week four at Kansas City. And then there's two more games in the first seven that I believe we will see. I mentioned earlier San Francisco and, and New England. So we're going to, and nobody's asked this, we're not going to be able to have the face-to-face -face meetings with the teams this year. Our production meetings are going to be different. They can be done just like we're doing this right here. It's going to be all by Zoom. And there's some good things with that, and there's a lot of things that you'll lose uh, I've grown to really love those uh, two to three, sometimes four hour meetings with coaches and players. Um, it was just not going to happen. At least it's not going to happen this season. It's all going to be, uh, you know, so sanitized now through, through zoom. So I'm going to miss being in the room with, with coach bill. I will tell you that uh, he's fantastic to us and he's so much more outgoing and, there's a much bigger personality than the guy you see standing at the lectern. He loves being with Tony. He loves having uh, Tony in these production meetings and even at times kind of picking his brain and Tony recognizing something he's seen on film and they're Xing and Oing and they're drawing all over uh, the tablecloth. You know, if we're on the road and we're in a boardroom, they have the thing with a white tablecloth and somebody ought to maybe just one time just take those tablecloths, get Bill to sign it because, man, there's some. There's some interesting stuff there, some X's and O's, and uh, I'm going to miss all that. We'll get back to Sports with Friends in just a moment, but first, did you know that I have another podcast that I do? It's like Sports with Friends, but it's a little different. It's about the superhero sci-fi universe. I have been a fan of comic books, animation, movies, and when I started the Hall of Justice podcast, we wanted to do it for adults. Why did I name it the Hall of Justice? Because if you're old enough to know what the Hall of Justice is, you're our demographic. The idea of the show is to take the same passion that fans have for sports, but to bring it to the superhero genre. We have movie reviews where we spoil the movie. No worry, we warn you so that you can see it first. We also have celebrity guests where we interview actors, voice actors. The Hall of Justice podcast comes out every Thursday wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, Jim Nance is definitely somebody I need to do a podcast with, and we need to sit down with Jim Nance. There's no question about it. All right, uh, we continue now with an old friend and a new friend. Uh, Charles Davis, uh, a longtime NFL player, uh, made the move to broadcasting, went over to Fox, and then when he recently switched networks he went from fox to cbs and he's the number two announcer with the great ian eagle ian's been on sports with friends he is a longtime friend i interned for ian eagle back in 1994 uh he was featured as the 250th episode of sports with friends the great ian eagle and what a great podcast that was we loved it uh he's part of this conversation but this is primarily charles davis uh, talking about making the move to CBS from Fox. I think what goes into changing networks is, I would guess, the same as anyone else. You change job, you get to know the people that are there, you're appreciative of the opportunity, and you go to work. You know, you start to learn everyone that you're going to work with. Um, I was fortunate enough to meet Ian probably 10 years ago. And it's going to sound somewhat trite, but I remember I met him. It was in a, it was the Atlanta Green Bay playoff game, I believe, Ian. 
and you were calling out for radio, I believe that day. And I got to introduce to you by mutual friend. And, and I remember walking away and I told her, I said, God, if I could work with Iron Eagle one day, that'd be pretty cool. And here we are. So it's one of those things that you just never know how it goes. But bottom line is once I got this opportunity and it's a tremendous one, now get to know everyone, let them get to know you. We've spent a lot of time on Zoom, um, you know, phone calls, emails, texts, all those things, just trying to get to know each other even better because that's the kind of chemistry that you want to build. Um, you, you heard Tony and Jim and Tracy already talk about coming together and building that chemistry from day one. That's what we're trying to do here. And bottom line for me, my father's 80, just turned 80 years old, a retired teacher and coach. And he said to me, when I got the job, he said, congratulations. He said, aren't you joining Iron Eagles team? I said, yes. He goes, boy, they're really good. And you're the only piece that's going to be different. So if anything goes wrong, we know where that came from. So that just tells you how it is when, when, when the old man lays it down on you and is pretty blunt about the whole thing, but that's it. And, and, and last thing is getting to know your team, you know, with, with Mark Wolf and Bob Fisherman, his producer and director and the rest of the crew, I've, you know, called all of them, zoomed with all of them individually, just so they can get to know me and I can get to start to, I can start to get to know them and we'll work it out from there. Yeah, if I could add as well, uh, the reality is that Charles and I spoke in April and it was Charles that, that recommended, hey, would you mind jumping on a Zoom call? And Charles, Evan Washburn and I did a Zoom call for the first time in mid-April. Then we did one for the next 16 weeks. Not every day. I mean, we would get a little sick of each other, but once a week, we joined each other on Zoom. So that was our chemistry boot camp. So we're going to test the boundaries of Zoom because it does feel as if we know one another. It feels like uh, we know about one another's families. And that's really where chemistry forms. Of course, eventually it's going to form in the broadcast booth. At this point, I could do the game with Charles. He could be a hologram. And I feel confident that we would do the game and, and we would do it well. But it, it's been terrific getting to know him and to actually see him week one is gonna feel a little different and unique. I, I wanna say one thing there just uh, because Charles, I know that uh, you know it's gonna be hard for you to work with Ian, but we'll <laughs> over it pretty soon. But I'll tell you, you're gonna love him times 10,000 if you haven't already, but Charles, you don't know this, but uh, for people out there, when I was studying and trying to figure out broadcasting, um, I actually studied, studied Charles Davis. And you're really, really good. I think that Sean, David, for you guys to bring him in, that's unbelievable. I think he's as talented out there as the top two or three guys by far. I think, Charles, you're really, really good. And you've taught me. I, I try and study other announcers. And when I look at it, uh, a lot of the stuff I use once in a blue moon without you knowing I, I've stolen from you. So good job, big guy. I'm proud, proud that you're on our team. Thank you, Tony. I appreciate it. And on that, it's time for me to go because uh, <laughs> it doesn't get any better than that. Get Thank out. Very much. Get out. <laughs> Enjoy, I am. I mean, this stuff is gold. I love it. I love it. Um, to the NFL teams, Baltimore Ravens, Lamar Jackson, and is Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes the future rivalry, kind of like uh, Brady Manning was? That was a question for Charles Davis. Love the question, and you're right. They're not Brady and Manning yet. Brady and Manning was built over time, right? And, 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 and big games and playing against each other. Well, guess what? We're going to have those guys continuing to play against each other. They've got another date again this year. So we're looking forward to watching all of that. Uh, I'm eager to hear what Ian has to say about it as well. But is it sustainable? It is because of this reason. The way that the game has changed, I came from the college football ranks. And when I was there and would talk to NFL people, and I'll know Tony jump in on this as well, a lot of times when the college coach would go to the NFL, he would bring ideas with him. And up there, the NFL guys would go, oh, don't bring me that Joe College stuff now. We can't do that kind of thing. It doesn't work. 
Well, we've seen the spreads. We've seen the, the, the way that they run. We're seeing the jet sweeps. We're seeing a little bit of option game, quarterback run game. And by the way, a lot of it works pretty darn well. Now, you got to be cognizant of it, protect your quarterback as best you can. But Lamar Jackson's been doing this his whole life. He knows where the hits are coming from. He knows how to get down, knows how to take care of himself. I think it is sustainable, and I think it's adaptable. But Baltimore has built themselves that way. If you go back, as you well know, John Harbaugh, before they even drafted Lamar Jackson, challenged his offensive staff and said, if we take this kid, I want to know the offense you're going to put him in. Tell me how we're going to do this. And all they've done is continue to refine it. So I am, I'm going to let you jump in here. Tony, you jump in as well. But I, I think that it is sustainable. I know everybody wants the old school, stay in the pocket, do this. But watch these kids move. Watch these kids keep plays alive. Watch these kids turn them into bigger plays. Big Ben used to, we used to say about Big Ben, it's not the first three seconds, it's the next three after he took the hit and moved around. These kids may move around without the hit and turn them into big plays. I and Tony. Yeah, I mean, quickly for me, it's changed the way that you approach things from a play-by-play man's point of view because of the unpredictability, the RPOs, the jet sweeps, and the fact that these guys have more freedom than ever before. So you used to go in with a pretty good idea, a blueprint of how things are going to go. You call one Baltimore Ravens game and you realize that it may be something you've never seen before. They might bring something new to the table because of the dynamic skills of Lamar Jackson. And Mark, I feel like I'm seeing you because of your handsome profile picture. So <laughs> that's just going to have to do for this week. <laughs> More on the Ravens. And Ian Eagle last year with Dan Fouts did a bunch of the Ravens games. And he was asked what it's like to call games where Lamar Jackson is under center. You have to be prepared for a highlight at any moment. And unlike certain games where you kind of know how plays are going to end up, a run inside probably picks up three yards in a normal situation if they're lucky. With Lamar Jackson and his ability to improvise as a play-by-play announcer, if you do not bring your A game, you're going to look back on the moment and feel as if you missed it. Uh, so it does raise your level, and not just Lamar, but Patrick Mahomes and uh, Deshaun Watson. All of these young stars that have emerged uh, have uh, certainly pushed the boundaries of doing play-by-play. Uh, I, I just try to view it that way. I, I don't want to get caught looking down at my notes, and you have to be in the moment as the announcer. And that's how you should be. Uh, if anything, there are times where you might end up in a normal situation, leaning on things. And the reality is, as a play-by-play announcer, you shouldn't. Uh, you, you should be as one with the action. Now, Ian Eagle was one of the broadcasters who actually called games in the NBA bubble. You know, Jim Nance did PGA golf, but Ian... After he came on the podcast, he got back to work and he was calling games in the NBA bubble. And he was asked just what the difference is or what's the takeaway from doing the NBA and how that can apply to the NFL. Yeah, for me, John, some of that mystery was taken away. So having called 10 games down in Orlando, uh, I have a sense of what I'm walking into. And I think a big key for what we're going to see week one of the NFL, does it look like the NFL? Does it sound like the NFL? Does it feel like the NFL? That's going to put people at ease once they get back into their viewing habits. Uh, down in the bubble for the NBA, uh, the thing that stood out most for me was how committed the players were and the professional pride that came into play. And I'm expecting the same thing with football. Once they keep score, once this counts on your permanent record, the competitive juices are flowing. And then from an announcer standpoint, your job is pretty simple. Convey the storylines and convey the drama. Uh, Jim mentioned it earlier, 
with no fans, will it be different? Of course, of course it's going to be different. There's such a big part of the equation, but as announcers, it doesn't change your job. And yes, there, there are certain things that you have to be aware of. You don't have that compass anymore. The fans often can provide you with, with the path. Uh, so it's a matter of announcers being on the same page and being in lockstep with the truck and working as a unit and being a good team. It, it's no different than it would be under normal circumstances, but things will be unique and different when you step into a stadium that, that does not have 70,000 fans completely engaged in the action. A model. Used to be a role model. We have a special announcement here to make on the show, and it involves Spotify. How many of you have Spotify? You know, my daughter made us get Spotify because she wanted to listen to music, and then I found out something that really made me cool in my house. We are so excited to announce that Sports with Friends and my other podcast, Hall of Justice, is now available to stream free on Spotify. If you haven't tried listening there yet, it's free to download. Use Spotify on any device. It's a great listening experience. You go straight from listening to your favorite music, Prince, and switch right over to our podcast in the very same app. And when my phone is plugged into my car, my daughter can control the music with her app because we have the same account. Just search for our show, Sports with Friends, on Spotify and start listening free. And remember, it's totally free, even if you're not a premium member. And once again, our thanks to CBS Sports. How about CBS Sports coming up with uh, Jim Nance and Tony Romo and Charles Davis and the great Iron Eagle? And who, who knows what else? And that, that's crazy. I, I had no idea. We had a hookup like that, and uh, that's, that's really cool. At the beginning of the show, I told you that when we came to Underdog Podcasts, uh, it was great for both Sports with Friends and my other podcasts that I do, Hall of Justice. And in the time that we've done these shows, we've never had another underdog personality on this show. And we are going to break a trend here today and welcome in Sean Ryan. Uh, he is the host of 8 hundred podcasts at underdog <laughs> he does get paid he does functional sportsaholic he's gonna have to explain that one to us he's now the host and author of the book fantasy football almanac he also hosts the fantasy football almanac podcast he does youtube videos he is a master multimedia jedi here right right here Sean, thanks so much for joining us. Welcome to Sports with Friends. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. And uh, yeah, 800 podcasts. I go for uh, quantity over quality, I think. <laughs> I think that's, that's what we're going for. <laughs> it, it's, it's really amazing. And you guys do so much, uh, so much stuff and so much work. And I'm cranking out these things once a week. And you guys are like putting this show out and this show out and this show out. And I, I can't keep up. And uh, what about the idea that, that we have this ban and we're not allowed to cross-pollinate. I remember there was going to be a memo where we had to do commercials for other people's podcasts in yours. And I thought that was a great idea because I was like, oh, maybe I could hear what they sound like. What a great concept. Never happened. And I haven't put anybody on this show. It's been crazy. Yeah, I don't know. I, th I don't know that I've had anybody on my shows either. I think I did way, way, way I'm talking like three years ago. I might have done a segment on underdog the flagship podcast for the network but yeah i mean just we haven't really cross-pollinated i think what ends up happening is we're so concerned with making sure that we have I, i'm speaking maybe for for myself only i'm so concerned making sure i have content kind of ready to go for the shows that i forget to even try to dip around the uh, the ecosystem there so um i don't even know that i've explored it <laughs> in a while we're set we're turning over a new leaf there you it's go new NFL season, and if 2020 hasn't done anything, it's brought us closer together. There you go. Uh, the NFL season is starting, and I've said this. As long as the, the, the COVID numbers are as good as they are, and there is no 
argument about how great they've been. I mean, one positive test out of 23, six overall or something like that. I mean, the numbers are just incredible. But I found out that a lot of teams have been staying in hotels. Uh, They've been in training camp somewhat isolated. They haven't played anybody. They haven't done any travel yet. Now they're going to their homes. So it sounds a little like baseball, and that scares the bejesus out of me. But as long as the numbers are good, I'm not going to say boo about the NFL. How confident are you in this upcoming season? You know, I'm pretty confident if for one reason, the NFL is in a unique position because of the TV contracts. And I know the baseball teams, you know, a number of them have their own very lucrative contracts. I know, you know, the NBA has strong TV contracts, but no sport in the USA has a contract, uh, you know, with like, like direct TV. That is just so massive. They have, uh, they own network TV, basically primetime, you know, three nights a week uh, throughout the course of fall. The NFL is in a very unique position in that just with contractual revenue, you're making about 80% of your payroll. Um, And then you add in a merchandise uplift, they're going to make money. Um, Whereas the MLB, not that I believe the owners, uh, Seth, I know this is more your realm with the MLB, but (laughs) I never believed that the owner's financial situation was going to be as bad as they said it was. The NFL, oh, we flat out lying. Yeah, that's what they do. But woo is me. They're not on the bread lines, you know. Derek Jeter is not on the bread line, you know. The you, you know, know these folks. Their whole thing was they were crying poverty, and all I had to do was say, "Open the books from 2019, 2018, 2017, 2016, 2015. Yeah. How far you want to go back?" And their internet streaming revenue alone could have paid the players. Yeah, for a prorated season. So yeah. there, there was never, there was never any honesty. The NFL. Like, like I said, I have uh, seen the protocols up close. Um, I had to go into the Jets facility and, I mean, mask was not even the thing. Temperature checks and you can't go left and you can only go right. And even if you are in a workroom, which is across a hallway from the Jets press conference room, you had to do it on Zoom. And I, it was wild. I mean, it's, it's, it is if schools could follow the NFL, like they're doing it yeah. right. Um, but it, it's so transmittable in NFL circles. I just think like offensive linemen, I mean, yeah. there's no social distancing in an offensive and a defensive line. And so that's my fear. But as long as you have numbers, go football. And my question then becomes, how do you size up these early matchups? Because none of these teams have played anybody. Yeah, and everything is based on what you say and no offense to the great reporters, but I'm not going to be a believer in the Baltimore Ravens again, because Adam Schefter told me to. Yeah, you know, when I write the book, one of the things I do is just dive in to offensive systems, dive into defensive systems, but it, there takes, um, you know, whether it's gambling, whether it's fantasy football, whether it's daily fantasy football, you have to vet, you know, this hype with film. I mean, you have to see it in action. You know when a running back, when a rookie running back is too slow for the NFL. You know these things. You can see these things. And so what we're doing there, and, and I'll be honest with you, you know, I'm, I'm a better. I'm a better by trade and meaning gambler. And um, I like betting against a spread. I'm out of the really high stakes stuff this year because, one, Vegas is saying things like, hey, you know, if you, if you have a bunch of parlays out there and one of the games gets canceled Sunday morning, we're just going to push your parlay. That's a net, net. The only thing that can happen there is you lose money um, because if, even if you push the rest of your games or you win the rest of your games, you're not going to make money there. All you can do is lose. So it's a weird year. How do you handicap it? I don't know um, if I'm doing kind of the smaller kind of fun things. The, what I would look for is continuity and teams that can run the ball well and the teams that can play defense well. So I'm looking at San Francisco. I'm looking at Baltimore. Um, outside of what Garoppolo and Lamar Jackson can do. Teams that run and teams that play defense are going to start the year a little bit ahead of teams that are precision pass oriented. It's, it's fascinating. And, you know, you see teams that were good last year. I mean, I, I use Baltimore as a reference. They should be mm-hmm. great again. I mean, sure. let's be honest. So should Kansas City. They're, they're great again. Um, I, don't, I don't know, you know, what the, what the ceiling is. And it's kind of funny because Baltimore is in this weird position where whatever they do in the regular season, it's not going to matter. Right. And I remember I, the first team, first NFL team I ever covered was the 1996 Broncos. That's mm. the team that went 13 and three and lost at home to Jacksonville. Jacksonville yeah. And my story about that is I had heard from a good source that they were changing the uniforms and I bought a disposable camera. <laughs> I'll never forget this. 
I bought a disposable camera because I was going to go down on the field because they let the media down on the field in the fourth quarter. And I was going to go on the field. And then, it, it, in essence, I was going to just take pictures of the old Orange Crush uniforms. Okay. And I left the camera on my kitchen table. And I get on I-25 going to the ballpark uh, to Mile High Stadium. And I go, should I turn around and get the camera? And I said, no, they'll beat Jacksonville. Come on. They have home field throughout the playoffs. <laughs> There'll be another game next week. I have no problem. And when they lost to Jacksonville, I was like, oh, my God, what a missed opportunity. Yeah. Google would allow me to Google as many pictures from that day as possible. Yeah, sure, right. But, Before the internet, right? But still, well, I, didn't, I didn't realize, and uh, that, that's my takeaway. And the Ravens are in that same spot. Like, the yeah. Ravens are in the exact same spot. They're 14-2. and two. Those Broncos were 13-3. and three. Nothing they do in the regular season will matter mm-hmm. until the playoffs. Yeah, and Kansas City was very much like that last year. I mean, they had gone to the AFC Championship game. They actually started the year six and four. Thanks, you know, some of the home stuff, his injury, his knee, his ankle, all that stuff. They start six and four, and then boom, rally off six wins to end the season. Twelve and four, get a bye in the playoffs. Um, they're the number two seed. They don't even have to face Baltimore uh, because Baltimore was uh, was outed by uh, Tennessee. And so they had to deal with Tennessee and San Francisco, and, and the rest is history. But, you know, Kansas City's in that – that spot where they, it doesn't matter. And they know it doesn't matter too, because they have that championship pedigree. Now, Baltimore, you know, they still need to earn it in January. If it will indeed be in January this year, I think it will be a little later. Um, but uh, you think yeah, there's going to be some kind of a shutdown of some kind. Well, you mentioned, so the offensive linemen, imagine, you know, imagine, think about this. We saw it in baseball with the Marlins. We saw it with the Cardinals, right? You cannot corral a bunch of young, wealthy men. I'm sorry on business trips. They're going to go out and somebody somewhere is going to make a mistake. We saw an early in training camp, the guy trying to sneak a girl into the Seahawks training camp. They're young, they're wealthy, and they're stupid. Um, and, and I say this lovingly because I was a young, maybe not so wealthy, but I was a young, stupid man myself. I get it. You're going to go out, you're going to make bad decisions. 21-year-old defensive ends, 21-year-old offensive lineman makes a bad decision, maybe uh, asymptomatic, decides to play, doesn't tell anybody, Suddenly, 10 people are infected. Your entire offensive line, the entire defensive line of the uh, opposing team. And that's when things get weird because you have 16 games in 17 weeks in a tight schedule. You can't really go to a tiebreak. It's not like the MLB where if a team plays 155 games, you can go on percentage points and be okay. If a team misses one or two games, you got to make those up. And we don't have that built into the schedule. So, yes, I think that there will be delays. And I think we're going to get a Super Bowl, in my opinion. I think we're going to get it in March, maybe even April. That's That's – I'm going to throw that. That's a hot take, but that's how I feel. I, I, look, I don't blame you, and, and who knows? I, you know, logically, you're right, and we saw in baseball, you know, when the season first started, Juan Soto tested positive, and they played that night. <laughs> yep. Not only did they play that night, but they had a two-hour rain delay, and they all sat in the clubhouse and played cards. Mm-hmm. So it was like they threw the protocols out the window. The NFL mm-hmm. is it now there is a situation where they had one positive test with o- o- Oakland A's and they missed four games. Yeah. And so I think it has to do with the daytime the day of the week that it, that it happens. I think that if you get, let's just say three positive tests, let's just say hypothetically two positive tests, it doesn't matter if it happens on a Tuesday, then you test everybody and it's next man up and you have the expanded uh, practice squads, so Mm -hmm. you have extra players. Right. The the idea, at least from my perspective, is what happens if it happens like when they had those false positives? That's a doomsday for the NFL. Let's just say, hypothetically, one team gets 10 positive tests the night before a game. Yeah. They can't play. You're right. They can't play. You can't guarantee the safety. And if I was the other team, I would say, no, we're not playing you. And you know, that's, if, where, that's where it happens. But literally, you see how the difference of just a couple of days. If it's a Tuesday, I think you're fine. And if it's a Friday or Saturday, I, I think you're not. I would hope that the NFL really took notice of what happened with the start of the Major League Baseball season, what happened with the Marlins, how that then impacted the Phillies, the Yankees, and the Orioles, and then what happened with the Cardinals. Now, they, Major League Baseball, they learned their lesson. When it happened with the Cardinals, they just said, we're grounding the team, and we're just going to wait. And I – the, the, the scheduling, I shouldn't even say oddity, but just the way it's configured, if you ground a team for two or three weeks, uh, and maybe in the NFL it's two weeks, I guess their protocol is 10 days, what do you do if, you know, if suddenly a team finishes 
they're eight and seven, but they need to be nine and seven to make the playoffs. But hey, the playoffs start next week. We're going to see delays. I just don't see any way right, around you can't, it. Can't assume it's going to be two brutal teams. Right. You, you're right. not going to get that lucky. <laughs> you're not going to get if, that what lucky. What if it's a playoff week, Seth? What if it's a playoff week? Well, and what then there's the do? concept of isolation in the, in the playoffs. Right. And you could, you know, in the playoffs, you could do isolation. It's just like baseball's thinking of doing. And the NBA and NHL were brilliant. And yeah, they were. They, 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 because it's a short season and, and the risk gets eliminated. You know, in the NBA, now you're down to what? You know, eight teams. You had 22 teams. Think about all the people that you're not intermingling now. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's brilliant. And hockey did it the same way. Hockey did it a little different. They, they started playoffs immediately, and you felt yeah. that. The NBA extended their regular season, and it felt like the NBA regular season. If you love the NBA regular season, it was wonderful. But mm-hmm. that's not a knock on their isolation bubble. And, you know, they're talking about that for the NCAA tournament. They're talking about that for, for uh, like an ACC Big Ten challenge in basketball. Mm. Like, mm-hmm. you can see the, the need for isolation in short stints. So I think if you can get to the playoffs, you can fix all of that. I think. I think you could. I I've think always said build a, build a big football field in, like, Montana yeah. or yeah. Iowa. And just, just put it out there. And there's no people out there. What, what are you doing? You know, it's fun. I drive down. I was telling, I think, my co-host on one of my podcasts since I drive down um, every now and then from Chicago to Orlando, family in tow, um, to visit my family, where I'm from, in Orlando. And every trip, I pass Elizabethtown, Kentucky. And one, one of these times, I stopped over and stayed in a hotel. And there was just like a mass of people there. I'm like, what the, what the hell is this? What's going on here? And so I actually talked to the person in the, the front desk. They're like, oh, it's like this every weekend. We have AAU tournaments all the time. And there are these places and there's these pockets around the country. You say build a football field in Montana. The funny thing is some of these fields already exist. It's about, I guess, the hotel rooms and the facilities. But there are places where if they need to isolate, they probably could. I got to say, man, playoffs, that's right in the midst of flu season. I don't know, man. Of course. And that's my whole argument about schools because people are like, oh, well, you know, we're starting out virtual because we're getting all our protocols in place. And then when we start, it'll be November 15th and right in the heart of flu season. And I'm like, right. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a weird year. And I, I tell people too, in fantasy football, you got to be prepared with your rosters and all that stuff. And it said, you know, look, let's just say it's week 14. You need a win to get in the playoffs or it's your playoffs or whatever. You have Lamar Jackson. He tests positive the morning of Sunday and you don't have a backup quarterback. What the hell are you going to do? Yeah. You need, you need a plan. And you need to, whether or not you, you believe in this or whatever your opinion is on this from an abstract level, the reality is, is the sports world's dealing with it. You have NFL PAs, you have cancellation policies. It will be a storyline this year. We're not going to be able to get away from it. But, you know, the flip side of this is if I end up being right and if we get a Super Bowl in March, I kind of like that. I don't mind a week or two delays every now and then. Just hit the pause button, give everybody a couple weeks to get healthy. They've said, but they've said um, um, they have all the dates in February. They're going to push for that last week in February. They'll push for it. They should push for Valentine's Day because that'll do wonderful for relationships, especially the relationships that have been <laughs> quarantined for months. It'll, it'll just be brilliant. It'll be a good one. I, I think it's going to be the week before or week after Easter when all's said and done. Easter. I think we're going to get – I do, I do. I think it's going to be the week before, week after. So that's late March, early April. That's all right. It's Labor Day. I'm watching the U.S. Open and the NHL playoffs in the same night. So why not? The whole thing is bonkers. It'd be wild. It, it, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Um, when you wrote the fantasy book, tell me the mm-hmm. title and tell me where you can find it. Yeah, Fantasy Football Almanac. It's available on Amazon.com. Um, honestly, anywhere if you just books, search- like Barnes and Noble and all those. Other yeah, books. yeah. You can go Barnes and Noble. You can go in uh, anywhere you can buy books. It'll be there. Um, it's it's published through, um, um, or I should say, it's it's published first and foremost on Kindle and Amazon. Uh, but you can oh, get cool. to it because there's expanded distribution everywhere as well. So yeah, you go into Barnes and Noble if that's your thing. Uh, books a million. If you if you know, I know there's still a few of those around there. You can go in there and you could order it from there as well. But Amazon, I would say, is the easiest way. Oh, very, very cool. And when you're constructing that, yeah. you know, you're basing that all on 2019 visuals. Kind of. Um, so that's where we're a little bit different. One of my pet peeves and the way I've always prepared for fantasy football is I look at offensive systems. And what we say is we, we try to be fantasy football scouts. Um, so for instance, Miami, the Miami Dolphins, they have the same head coach, but are completely changing their offensive system. 
they're going to be a better running team this year. Another team, Cleveland Browns, they have a new offensive system. What is the impact of a run first philosophy? What impact is that going to have? First of all, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. What's that impact going to be for Baker Mayfield now that he's not going to have the whole world and the whole city of Cleveland on his shoulders? Now he's going to have more lanes to throw through. So we look at the offensive scheme first. We take some 2019 data, yes, but we also look at historical data and trends from all these other offensive coordinators going in there to project what 2020 will be. Hmm. It, 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 it's, it's very cool. Where does Tom Brady fit into that whole thing? Because we yeah. can make assumptions, but again, Tom Brady is the guy who, you know, he's without Bill Belichick for the first time, and he has a new team, a new outlook. He seems rejuvenated, but we don't know any of that stuff, and there's been no preseason games to see him in action. You know, I think for Tom Brady, the preseason I'm not as concerned with. I know he's been trying to get his timing down with, uh, with his receivers, with his whatever they illegal workouts or whatever he was doing down there at that at the height of the pandemic there in Florida. But, you know, he's been working with his, his group. Obviously, he knows Gronkowski. Um, but what's interesting about Brady is a lot of people hate on him. I think his issues last year were due to the receivers in New England not really being able to separate, combined with some offensive line issues and not being able to really run. Um, I don't think he's as good as he was at 35, but I still think he's a top 10 quarterback. I like him in this scheme. I love the receivers he's throwing to. My big question has always been, Arians likes to throw the ball downfield. New England likes to get rid of the ball fast. If he holds on to that ball for an extra half second, is he going to take more blindside hits this year? And if so, can his, what, 42-year-old body at this point, can it withstand that, those hits? That's my big question. If he can stay healthy, I think he's going to be 35 touchdowns or more. If he's not, um, then obviously, uh, you know, you should have a backup quarterback on your roster. That's what I would suggest for him. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I would just wonder. And then I wonder about the New England Patriots without Brady, Cam right. Newton. It's such an interesting mix because Cam Newton's so compelling, but it's such a different style. And can he change his game? And yet, can Belichick change his game? What do you make of New England and the AFC East where – Buffalo comes in as the favorite, but no one's comfortable ever letting Buffalo be the favorite. You know, yeah, it's not 1991, right? We don't have Jim Kelly walking through that door, uh, to paraphrase Patino. Um, yeah, man, the, the New England Patriots are a tough one for me. One of my rules in gambling is never bet against Bill Belichick, and I still hold true. I just don't bet on him um, when they're the quote-unquote underdog. Uh, he can motivate people really well. And the interesting thing, too, about the Patriots is they flirted with a mobile – tough quarterback that you know before in Tim Tebow with Tom Brady on the roster when um no, we have a rule on sports with friends Tim Tebow's name never gets mentioned well there's an actual name so I'll just say he who should not be named the, oh, from now God, on but uh disgusting. look I never thought he was a good quarterback my opinion on him is that he's a guy that could get you a yard and so I've been championing this this idea of a situational quarterback since before Taysom Hill where I don't love the Wildcat. I think it's kind of a, an, a crazy thing to take Drew Brees off the field and put in Taysom Hill. But, you know, Cam Newton and Stidham, you know, I never took it for granted that Stidham couldn't win that job. I mean, Tom Brady took the job away from Drew Bledsoe um, years and years and years ago. Drew Bledsoe wasn't a bad quarterback back then. If Stidham can execute this offense better, he'll end up being the quarterback. But Cam Newton, I do think he'll get there. I think that McDaniels um, – will want to run a little bit more, run a little bit more read option than they were able to do with uh, Tom Brady. It's going to be a different team. I truly, honestly don't know what to expect from them, especially because after free agency and COVID opt-outs, I think they have like eight new starters on defense or something like that. It's, it's a big transition. That's a, and that's a massive loss. It's not just Brady. And, you know, we talk about Brady all the time, but, but it's a massive, massive loss. And, and who knows uh, where they can come from. All right. Uh, let's bottom line this. Give me a dark horse. Give me a favorite. Pick me anybody but the Chiefs. <laughs> okay. Well, since I can't take the Chiefs, because I think if you're going to bet your money on somebody, it would be hard for to me bet to bet the Chiefs. Right? Yeah. I, dude, I think they're going to be, the Chiefs are going to be better than last year. Their defense is going to start the season on a tear. Last season, it took some time to meld into that new system. Mahomes healthy for a full 16, knock on wood, hopefully. They're going to be a better team. Not to say that they'll go 13 and three or anything like that, but. They'll be ready for the playoffs. But a dark horse, somebody who – a team that people have been sleeping on for a couple of years now, and I just cannot figure out why, because they always make the playoffs, is the Seattle Seahawks, man. Um, you know, they made some Paul big – Yeah, Adams coming over from the Jets. Um, 
they get some some pieces in the uh, the, the defensive backfield there. They're kind of trying to rebuild that Legion of Doom. The defense, it was never a rebuild. It was a retool. They've made the playoffs two years in a row. Russell Wilson has his best complement of receiving threats this year, and they add Greg Olson at tight end. Russell Wilson loves tight ends in key situations, third and shorts, goal line situations. Seattle, if you're looking for a dark horse that nobody's really talking about, they're, they're my team. Um, AFC, it would be Pittsburgh Steelers, man. They went 8-6 and six without Roethlisberger last year. They have, in my opinion, the best defense in the league. Now this defense is going to be supported by an offense that can actually convert a third down. They weren't able to do that last year. They were winning games like 15 to 13 and stuff. This year, the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to be able to put up 25 points a game, no problem. The whole offense gets better if Roethlisberger can stay healthy. Those are two dark horses. If you're looking to, to invest some money in some futures bets, look, Chiefs, that's the smart money. Baltimore Ravens, San Francisco 49ers, I get it. Two dark horses that you can get nice odds on. Steelers and Seahawks, I think you'll be happy. This mic still sounds fine. Well, yeah. Everything's been fine. Yep. Okay. Good. Perfect. It's been recording. We're good. Um, yeah, you know, it's funny. Uh, the Seahawks <laughs> the Seahawks are a funny team because I have great relationships with the Seahawks. I covered the Seahawks in the late 90s, 98, 99, 2000. Mm. Uh, the end of the kingdom, the beginning of uh, – not uh, way before their current stadium. Um, actually, my last year in Seattle, they were at Husky Stadium, the old Husky Stadium. And that okay. build that build that building shook. That was such a weird place, um, and it was weird because my it's 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 one of my favorite Super Bowl stories, which is um, the Super Bowl in New Jersey. So I live literally twenty minutes from mm. the Meadowlands, and okay. when the season was going on, I didn't have a reason to cover it, and I wasn't getting in. I mean, I, I don't have a I don't have that kind of a hookup, but I called my old stations in Seattle and Denver. Because those teams were good. This was like in November. And I said, you know, if, if you guys go, hire me for the week. Get me a credential. Right. I'll cover you. I'll work dirt cheap. I, you barely have to pay me. Like, just I'll cover the team. And right. they both said yes. And so I had Seattle and Denver. And then they're both in the title games. And I was like, well, one of them's got to go in. Like, one of them will go, get in. And the irony that the two franchises that I covered in the beginning of my career, 96 for two seasons, uh, 96 and 97, I covered the Denver Broncos. And then from 98, 99, 2000, I covered the Seattle Seahawks. And then I covered the Jets and Giants for Fox for a while. And now I'm covering the Jets again. And the irony of it was if there's going to be a Super Bowl in New York, which there never should have been, but there was one. Uh And if there's going to be a Super Bowl in New York, then why wouldn't it be Seattle and Denver? And the story goes is that the game credential, my, my practice credentials were from Seattle, but my game credential was from the, the Broncos. <laughs> okay. So I sat with the Denver media. And if you remember that Super Bowl, the Denver Broncos got slaughtered. Yeah. And I also covered the Seahawks that week. And I was like, I can't sit here. This is a miserable spot. <laughs> so I started texting every human being I knew from Seattle media. And I said, is there an empty seat near you? And, you know, because all the electronic media is in the stands. Like, you're not in the press box by any right. stretch. <laughs> and one of my friends, this guy, Ian, he says, he says uh, yeah, sure. He says, there's an empty seat right here. And I became an actor. And I always claim that I won an Academy Award just <laughs> for my phony performance in that Super Bowl, I said, I literally go, I can't watch this. This is awful. I need to take a walk. And I grabbed my bag and I took a walk and I looked and I made sure nobody saw me head over just one section over to the Seattle section. And I looked, nobody's looking at me. And I sat down and I'm like, okay, we win. (laughs) And and then I, uh, so the Seahawks win. And I yeah. go down to their locker room and I felt really weird being in their locker room. Cause I'm not there every day. Right. And even the, like when the Broncos won the Super Bowl in the nineties, I was in the midst of that. I had covered every, I covered every day, day of that team. And I played Madden football with half the guys on that roster. Right. Right. So like that was my team, you know, the Seahawks aren't that team. So I'm on the outskirts of it. I'm not in the middle of that thing, but it was still cool to see Russell Wilson and Richard Sherman and all those right. guys celebrating and then somebody comes over to me and says, hey, isn't your car at the Broncos headquarters, the team hotel? And I said, yeah. He goes, the bus is leaving. And I go, 
oh crap he's like i don't know how else you're getting out of here i'm going you want to come and i said yes and i left the seahawks uh-huh. i didn't i just took off and now i'm drenched in sweat there's champagne on me and i'm like i'm like like the, like not doused but like right. i had it on me and i get on the bus and i'm going rough one that's rough one. <laughs> that's a rough one <laughs> That's good. And uh, it was it was the phoniest night. And I won either way because either team won. I was going to do the same thing. So yeah, right, it was right. so, so crazy. Hey, uh, how can people find you online? Uh, best way I would say is Twitter. I'm at TFS, as in the functional sports log, at TFS underscore Sean, S-E-A-N. Uh, you can also find me on YouTube, youtube.com slash the underdog. Very nice. Very nice. Well, we appreciate this and, and we'll put the link to the book in the show notes. And uh, we really appreciate uh, as always uh, you coming on and it's been great to get to know you all through these many months. We've got yes. some plans. We need to get on those plans and we're going to do it. We're going to go up. Yeah. This, the, the summer solstice is over and the world <laughs> is coming back slowly, yes. but surely and we're going to be a part of it. So that's very, very cool. Uh, Sean Ryan. Thank you so, so much. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. And uh, by the way, if there's anything that you heard in today's podcast that you have an issue with, well, if it's Jim Nance or Tony Romo, look, there's nothing you can do because I'm not giving you the CBS Twitter account. But if there's anything Sean said that you don't like, you can uh, reach out to him directly and leave me the hell out of it. Uh, (laughs) uh, We'll see you next week. Thank you for the downloads. Thank you for the ratings, the reviews, all that stuff. But thank you. Enjoy football. Seriously, we don't know how long it's going to go. Let's just ride this thing out. Go football, and let's all do it safely. We'll see you next week. If you want me to stay, I'll be around today to be available for you to see. I'm about to go, and then you'll know for me to stay. I got to be me. You'll never be in doubt. That's what it's all about. You can't take me for granted and smile. Come on. Have been the kind of person that you really.